the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is estate planning attorney Bob Brugman. I'm broadcasting from my office in San Jose, having uh, returned from vacation um, last Friday. Uh, Too late to actually do a show, but here I am today. Um, What I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about the various types of things that I do as an estate planning attorney and the types of services that I offer if you're just joining the show, uh, you probably haven't heard that from me before. You're, if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about this in the past, but I think it's probably as good a time as any for me to go over the various types of things that I do as an attorney and uh, see whether or not those are things that might assist you and your family. Let's start first by me explaining that I am what is called a board-certified specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. What that means is that I have been certified by the State Bar of California Board of Legal Specialization as an expert in estate planning, trust, and probate law. So that's what I do. My practice is exclusively involved with estate planning. Uh, I don't do uh, things on the side. I don't do family law or business organizations or personal injury or things like that. I exclusively do estate planning. So that's important to uh, keep in mind when you start thinking about having someone assist you with your estate planning. Uh, Ask yourself, is this something that they specialize in? Because uh, in general... You're going to get a better job done by someone who specializes in estate planning. It is going to cost more than some other attorney that just kind of does wills and trusts on the side. It's also going to cost more than if you try and do it yourself using some online service, and I will not name them, but you know who they are, or picking up a book at um, Barnes & Noble or ordering a book off of Amazon. That's a do-your-own-estate plan or do-your-own-trust book. Uh, I will tell you that I have been practicing now for just over 40 years. And uh, because this is my specialty in the law, I am constantly learning new things and new approaches to estate planning. Uh, Part of what I have to do as a board-certified specialist is I have to keep up-to-date with all of the changes in the law and changes that happen 
especially ones that impact my clients and ones that impact planning in general. Uh, We have major changes that happen every now and then dealing with the federal estate tax, which is the wealth transfer tax imposed by the federal government. If you have too large an estate, and too large is as defined by Congress and the president at the time that they pass these laws. Um, I will also say that um, planning really does involve um, looking at the estate tax issue. It involves looking at income tax issues, such as the capital gains tax and how to preserve a new uh, living, excuse me, a new income tax cost basis when someone has passed away. Uh, proper planning will make sure that a surviving spouse or the children or grandchildren or whomever you wish to pass your property to will make sure that they receive it at its current market value for income tax purposes, which means if it's then sold, they uh, will not have the capital gains tax that might otherwise be imposed. Now, Proposition 19, which I talked about fairly extensively over the last few months, is now in effect right now. It went into effect uh, effective last Tuesday, the 16th of February, and it's in effect now. And there is very little, if any, direct planning that can be done to deal with the effects of Proposition 19, although in the living trust planning area, there may be significant planning to be done deciding how to leave a personal residence uh, to children, whether it maybe should be left to a particular child if that child intends on occupying it as their personal residence and uh, other considerations such as that. A lot of the planning that we used to do has been uh, disrupted by Proposition 19. And uh, uh, I and others such as myself are looking for ways to deal with that issue. Uh, So far, we haven't come up with very many solutions to the problem of Proposition 19, other than to make sure that estate plans are drafted in such a way that the family can quickly and efficiently act in reference to uh, real estate that uh, is owned by a trust, for example, so that whoever takes over can quickly uh, negotiate the sale of that real estate if that is the appropriate response to the likely reassessment that will be occurring under Proposition 19. So as an estate planning attorney, I do primarily living trust planning Uh, Living trust planning involves using a revocable living trust to own most but not all of your assets and to provide for their orderly management while you're alive should you become incapacitated and then the orderly uh, transfer of the assets after your death. So what we're trying to do with living trust planning and more broadly estate planning is avoid conservatorship while you're alive, meaning having to go to court to have someone put in charge of your property and in charge of you uh, to make financial decisions with your property and also to make medical and health care decisions for you 
if you become incapacitated. And, uh, and that is a primary focus of estate planning is to avoid conservatorship while you're alive and then avoid the probate process after death. Now, a few months ago, I announced that I was uh, no longer going to be taking on uh, new estate planning clients, uh, but that has changed. A major part of my law practice dealing with court work um, for uh, petitions involving trusts has now been um, eliminated due to a change in practice of the San Mateo County Probate Court, uh, no longer taking in any matters from outside of their county, which was a major part of my practice. Because of that, my time has now been freed up to help even more people with foundational estate planning, which is basically living trust planning. It may also include planning for um, disabled or incapacitated children or spouses. And that's another part of what I do as an attorney. And so what I'm going to suggest is now is the time to actually uh, contact me if you'd like to schedule a time to meet with me. The best way right now, as I'm in the process of rebuilding my email system, would be to give my office a call at 408 and I can talk with you and determine when a good time would be for a consultation. I can also manage to get paperwork to you for the purpose of that consultation. Um, I'm not cheap, but for the expertise I bring to the table, I am well worth it. So uh, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. After the break, I will continue with more information about my law practice or go back to my usual format. Talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Um, To let you all know today, I'm just going to be finishing out the second segment of the show today, and then my engineer will be shifting to... uh, Second half of the show will be from, uh, I think, the end of January. He'll be replaying that um, because I, I need to uh, leave by about 2.30 today. So I apologize if you're looking forward to a full show. It's going to be a half show live and then half show will be pre-recorded. But I thought I would take the second half of, of the first half of the show and... Uh, just um, share with you some more questions and comments from around the state of California. This is my usual format where I uh, go through questions that people have submitted uh, online and then give comments on it. My hope is that in listening to this show, you will hear something where I might be able to be of assistance to you or to someone you know or someone in your family. Um, I, I mentioned before the break that I that a major part of my practice involving court petitions has largely been cut back. It's been cut back uh, only to the point where I can still do petitions uh, called Hegstat petitions, which are 
petitions to gather in loose assets into a trust after someone has died, although they can also be used to gather assets in if someone's incapacitated and there's no one with authority to transfer the asset to their trust while they're alive. Uh, The petition can also be used to uh, have an asset that is owned by a trust or payable to a trust uh, declared to be an asset belonging to somebody else. Uh, Maybe the, the trust ended up with an asset that really shouldn't be there, really belongs to maybe another family member. We can go to court for that purpose as well. And then we can always go to court to do a modification of an existing trust that is irrevocable uh, very commonly happens with an older style trust where a husband and wife have a trust that requires the division of the trust property into two or more new trusts after the death of the first spouse. Um, because of the changes in the estate tax laws, that type of planning may not be appropriate anymore for that couple. But uh, now one of the couple has died before being able to change the planning. Well, it's possible to go to court and modify that trust to reflect um, something that makes more the surviving spouse and maybe also for the heirs and beneficiaries as well. I can still do the Hegstat petitions and the trust modification petitions, but only if they are for people who have died or are living in, uh, people who have a trust uh, who have died or were living in San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, or Contra Costa County. Those are the three counties. I can still do that work. I can also do work in those three counties if the now trustee of the trust um, is a resident of one of those three counties, even if the deceased person uh, lived in another county in the state, if the trustee is conducting the business of the trust from Santa Clara County, San Mateo County, or Contra Costa County, I can still assist. In fact, I am literally uh, doing a a Hegstat petition for a property in Contra Costa County that I'm putting together right now. I will be doing it through Contra Costa County, which is actually a good probate court to work through. Uh, San Mateo, Santa Clara, and Contra Costa County probate courts are very responsive and they're good to work through. Um, If you have a situation like that, uh, feel free to call me at 408 247-0444 or email me at rpb at lawbob.com. I ask that you do that. I'm in the process of completely redoing my email system, rebuilding my uh, Outlook system for my office um, because it got too big and it will probably take the weekend before everything is back online. If you do email me, though, uh, it will come through to my uh, my phone because I retrieve email on my phone, and I can always see your request and either give you a call or else respond back from my phone uh, to let you know where to go next. So um, 
please feel free to contact me. Give me a call. I, I figure by the end of the weekend, my system will be back online, including my calendaring system, which directly interfaces with my Outlook calendar so that you can actually uh, book an appointment online at lawbob.com. You can actually look for and book appointments right there through the website and go directly into my calendar and find a date and time that works best for you. So I'm still doing trust uh, petition consultations. I'm still doing estate planning consultations. And I am doing trust and probate administration consultations. And what that means is uh, doing a probate administration if it's in Santa Clara County uh, or doing a trust administration, which could be for someone who died with a trust pretty much anywhere in the state of California. I can assist with the administration of that trust and do the steps that are necessary, uh, the legal steps that are necessary, and then also assist with providing uh, competent accountants to assist with any tax returns that need to be done for the administration, and I am uh, doing that. For probate and for trust administration, I currently do those on an hourly basis rather than a fixed fee. For my regular estate planning, including planning for special needs people uh, and uh, planning for minor children, I do those as fixed fees. So um, I don't think I have that much longer in this segment, but I thought I would handle a couple of questions from around the state until um, I get informed that um, we're running out of time in this segment. I think the segment has, I'm looking carefully, about one minute to go. So uh, rather than start something new here, let me just wrap up uh, the first half of my show today by saying the second half will be pre-recorded. Um, I need to leave pretty much at 2.30, and I apologize for not finishing out the show today. But please feel free to contact me at rpb at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B.com, or call my office at 408-247-0444 if you have questions or if you'd like to schedule a consultation to meet with me on any of the things that I do. You can go to Lawbob and see the various things that I do as an attorney. So, until next Friday, but remember there's still the second half of the show coming after the break. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'll be back on the air, hopefully live, next Friday. We'll talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back, Bay Area. I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, Again, you can always call in 800-516-1220 if you'd like to ask me a question on the air. Uh, My engineer is standing by to take your call. So here's one out of San Diego. That's another one of those little towns in Southern California, sleepy little town, uh, borders on the ocean there. Maybe you've been there. I hear they have a place that has uh, animals and aquatic animals, something like that. And there's also a place where uh, 
down there near San Diego that, gosh, I mean, uh, you can go in and you can play with blocks like a kid. Um, sounds like quite a bit of fun. So this person says, is asking, how can I protect myself? My mother put her home title in my name. I guess maybe put my name on her home title, maybe with mom, but did not remove it from the will. Can my brothers proceed against me? Well, let's assume what they mean here is that mom put son on the title with her and then mom died. And if she put her put him on the title as, say, joint tenants, that would mean the house is now his. Um, but n- did not remove it from the will. Well, question is, was the property specifically identified in the will as I have the property at 123 Main Street in San Diego, California, and it's to go to my three children? Um, the real question is this. Can the brothers challenge mom putting the the other sibling on the title of her house? Uh, they might be able to challenge that if they can prove that mom, at the time she did that, either lacked the legal capacity to do that or that the child who received title uh, was actually acting in a way as to exert undue influence on mom, inducing her to put him on the title of the property uh, when she really, um, you know, he misled her, he threatened to not help her, uh, he just threatened her, things like that. Those things are often very hard to prove. Um, So there's nothing to stop the brothers challenging that, going to court and challenging the property, passing to this person, asking the question. It doesn't mean that they will win. Um, And and so just to kind of put that all in perspective, uh, there could be a challenge that may or may not be successful. Um, And as I've said many, many times um, over over the last uh, two, three years, um, you can't stop someone from filing a lawsuit against you, but you, you can often win and their lawsuit is not successful. Okay, so I understand I have a caller, Ken, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, and who am I speaking with? Uh, it's Ken. Just first name? Yeah. What's your first name? Oh, your, uh, my first name is Ken. Oh, okay, like my engineer, Okay. Um, All right. So you're calling from San Diego. I just mentioned that sleepy little town down there on the ocean. Um, Yes, although there's rain uh, today. (laughs) There's rain today. Okay. Well, then there's maybe even more sleeping going on than usual because who wants to go out in rain? (laughs) I spent a lot of time indoors last few days up here in the Bay Area. It's been pouring its eyes out up here. Okay. uh, So um, what's your question for me, Ken? Okay. So uh, this is in regard to rental property. Um, I have heard on uh, talk uh, radio programs a situation where if you've got a lease uh, that, say, people signed uh, for a year, but then it lapsed two months to month, and that they've been maybe in the house for some long period, 10, 15 years, whatever, that uh, the crux of it was that uh, they actually, in so doing, 
acquire some um, ownership or some uh, value in the house. And I'm just wondering that they are that they have. Uh, I was wondering if that is true or if that. Okay, is, uh, yes. so so some other talk show, obviously not mine, um, opined that if a tenant lives a long time in a property on a month-to-month, that they get some kind of property interest in the property? Yes. Well, I I will say just basic landlord-tenant law is if you pay to be in a property, all you have is is a tenancy interest. You don't acquire any ownership interest in the property. Now, it's possible that there are some cities um, that have past ordinances that give some kind of right to stay if someone's been in a property for a long time or give them a longer time to be given notice to vacate the property uh, so that someone else can be moved in or so that the owner can move in. I mean, I know San Francisco um, has has an ordinance kind of like that. I don't practice up there, but I know they have a very burdensome ordinance for landlords in the city where where a landlord may literally have to pay the tenant money to move so the tenant mm-hmm. can relocate someplace else. Uh, but that's right. not an ownership interest in the property, although I would argue as, as a constitutionalist that it is effectively a taking by, by a city that passes a law like that, which means actually it is an ownership interest given to the tenant. Um, and if you're forced to pay the tenant to move, then the tenant kind of has now some kind of right to the property. Um, but as far as just acquiring a right to the property because you've lived there a long time, no. The only way you can acquire an interest in property you've lived in a long time uh, is if you live on that property and you don't pay rent, and you pay the property taxes, and you stay there openly and notoriously for a certain number of years, you could go to court and file a quiet title action and basically uh, take over uh, the property, claiming that basically I'm squatting here and I've been here for years and I've been paying the taxes and no one else has tried to throw me off, so after a certain amount of time, it's my property. Well, that's not the case if someone's paying rent. So if they're paying rent every month, you can't acquire title title in that way. So I'm not sure. That was certainly my understanding. So you uh, corroborated what what I felt was the case. (laughs) Yeah, again, without hearing what was said on some other show, uh, it may be that there was a piece that was left out or a piece that wasn't real clear or something you don't specifically recall. Um, right. But really, I think the only thing close would be a city that has an ordinance that says that you have to give some a tenant a certain amount of time to relocate. Uh, and, and in San Francisco, you may have to pay them for the privilege of moving them out of your property, even if you're going to move in to occupy it as your own residence. I mean, it's... Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Would never, I, I would never. I would never own that. rental property in San Francisco for that reason, or Berkeley yeah, for a similar reason. Yeah, um, um, I won't mention the name, but I did hear this on one of the hosts on KDO, KDOW. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. As far as I know, I'm the only attorney that is a host on KDOW. Yeah, no, it, it, he, he's not an attorney. He's more of a financial guy. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Well, but anyway, um, uh, yeah. in any uh, event, uh, I don't know if it's a local host exactly. or if it's a national host. Um, mm-hmm. because we have both on KDOW. I mean, the yeah. uh, many of the, the, right. the daytime hosts and early morning are actually local, um, but many yeah. of them are national. They're national feeds. Yeah. But right. um, in any event, I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, if you wanted to privately email me who the host is, maybe I could contact them and get clarification of what they said. Actually, that's, and, and that's a great idea. Uh, I was thinking of that myself, and I, I appreciate the offer. So I will, uh, I will email you and uh, and uh, give you more uh, details on on how okay. it was. Because I'd hate to think that a co-host is actually inadvertently giving out bad information. Uh, and maybe even yeah, bad legal advice. Yeah, that's the way it advice. struck me. <laughs> yeah. But, well, that's uh, how it would strike so, me if so I heard I, it on the air. I'm, I'd probably know, break my uh, finger trying to dial the show and say, taint so. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, years ago, I did landlord-tenant law, so I know quite a bit about it. I know it's evolved yeah. since years ago, but still right. the basic landlord-tenant law is you don't acquire uh, an interest in your landlord's property just because you happen to be sitting there a long time. Yeah, because the thing that occurred to me was, you know, there's no bill of sale. There's, uh, I mean, all those things have to be in place for the purchase of the property or or to gain interest in it. Uh, it's not like the rent is payment toward purchase. It's, it's a or there has to be there has to be a statute like the adverse possession statute that mm-hmm. allows you to acquire a property by parking on it for, I believe it's five years, and paying the property taxes five years, and then you can apply right. to the court and say, give me the property because whoever owns the property didn't care enough to evict me and hasn't paid taxes. I've paid all the taxes. So really, right. give it to me. I'll keep paying the taxes, and I'll do something with the property. That's very right. uncommon, but it can be done. It yeah. can be done. It could certainly happen oh. if the owner, property owner had died and the family didn't do anything about it. Um, right. Then it could be done. Okay. Well, very good. I, I okay. appreciate your uh, your feedback. So I'll I'll send you an email. Okay. Well, thank you for calling. Okay. Very good. Bye bye. Okay. So I think we have roughly a minute to go in this segment, um, or thirty seconds. <laughs> so when I come back after the break, I'll wrap up the show today um, with some more questions and comments from around the state of California, and then maybe. Uh, a few closing remarks. Um, in the meantime, though, uh, listen to the commercials, patronize the people advertising on my show. I appreciate that. And we'll talk with you after the final break today. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. And we're back for the final segment of our show today. I've got just a few more questions and comments to cover, and then um, and then we'll call it quits for the day until I come back next Friday. Uh, to let you know in advance, I will likely be doing a pre-recorded show for two Fridays from now. That's the week of uh, Valentine's Day week. Um, I don't know if I will be back in town 
uh, from vacation. I think I will be back. Um, uh, no, I now I think about it, I will be coming back on that Friday. So I'll probably pre-record a show that can be run uh, or else I'll have uh, one of my prior shows run again while I am returning from vacation. Okay, uh, so here is out of Santa Barbara, another one of those little towns uh, along the coast. Father, mother, and son are all joint tenants on son's house. House should now be only in son's name. We were told to use a grant deed stating father and mother grant their two-thirds 66.6% interest to son. But the grant deed wording does not mention who already owns the other one-third. Is this correct? Answer. Yes, that's perfectly correct. Uh, the parents only have a two-thirds interest they could grant. So a deed that says they grant their two-thirds interest to the son transfers the interest they actually have. Uh, it says there's no mention the son already owns a third. That's right. So could we mention on the deed that after it's filed, the son will be 100% owner? You could do that, but it really wouldn't change the outcome uh, because by transferring two-thirds to the son who already who has a one-third, the son will end up with 100% of the property, and that's all you really need to do. Okay, here's one out of Lancaster, uh, Southern California. California is requiring a notarized affidavit to close my mother's account after her unexpected death. I wasn't listed on the account or as beneficiary, but I'm her only daughter. There's approximately $1,000 in the account, and they won't close it until 40 days after her death. That is correct. It's what's called a small estate affidavit, and it has to be at least 40 days since someone's died before you can use that small estate affidavit in order to take over, um, for example, a bank account like this. The bank's 45 miles away. I'm not keen on still having to deal with my mother passing 40 days after. I'm already drained. I can understand that. Is it an option to leave the account and allow the bills that are currently being drafted out of it to continue until it's overdrafted and they close it on their own? Well, <laughs> It's $1,000 in there. You could certainly do that. Um, but it's not a difficult thing, really, to take over the account. It says, do I have to take time to get the document notarized, make another appointment to close out the account? Uh, the answer is probably yes, unless a notary can come to you, but that's going to be expensive. And then probably have to make another appointment to close out the account and maybe have a check written out to you. Uh, so there's kind of no way around that. If you just ignore the whole thing, you're right. Eventually, the account will be closed from um, because it will run out of money. Um, but I would caution, if you let that happen, uh, make sure that anything that's being paid out of that doesn't trigger something like, uh, well, now a loan's being called or there's penalties and interest because the the uh, the bill wasn't paid in time. Uh, you have to monitor that very, very closely. But I don't see that there's much of a downside to just letting the money run out as it's paying bills. Okay, um, I have someone who did a revocable living trust and put my uh, real property into the ownership, but I want to change the names of my co-trustees and the beneficiaries. Can I remove their names on the property title under the trust? Well... First of all, you would not be putting the names 
of co-trustees on the title to your property unless they were co-trustees with you right now as opposed to people taking over from you after you have died or become incapacitated. Uh, and as I said earlier in the show, if there's co-trustees on your property right now on the title, you can always uh, have them resign as co-trustees and file paperwork with the county, with the recorder, that says there's a, a notification of uh, change of trustee and the reason being that the trustees have have resigned or have been removed by the grantor you uh, you would generally not have the beneficiaries of the real estate on the property title the beneficiaries are inside the trust itself so there'd be no reason to um, deal with the title to change beneficiaries you just do an amendment to your trust amending the section that distributes the property and having it now say who you want it to go to instead. So that's kind of the short answer um, to those questions right there. Um, all right, yeah, I already looked at that one. Can't do anything that's... Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that's that's not going to be a good one. Uh, I'd like to know if my mom can make a way to where I can't sell the house because she wants to leave the house to me. Well, unfortunately, I don't have enough time to answer that question. I'm going to put it at the top of my list to bring up on the show next Friday. So this is attorney Bob Bergman host of Plan Your State Radio, and I'm signing off for today. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and you don't get too wet. Talk with you again next week. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose. 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.